0: Oh, God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, God, for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. We, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So I'm going to ask, i want to ask, where's my where's my runners at? Well, my goodness. Caesar, you want me to put you on the spot? Do you mind... Just taking a mic every time somebody raised their hand, if you'll run it to them. Anthony, will you be the other guy, would you, for me? Get all these young guys running around. Okay, so if we anybody needs outlines, like I said, we're going to take a break from this next week. Uh, and so I encourage you to ask any question that you have tonight, anything uh, that you have. If you have your, your cell phones, and I know... Most of you are on Facebook. The reason I know most of you are on Facebook is most of you are my friends on Facebook. But if you take a moment and uh, do what I'm asking my wife to do for me, and that's check you in, and just tell people you're here. Folks, I would rather let people know I'm at church learning of the things of God than at the movie theater or the restaurant taking pictures of my favorite breakfast. If that's your thing, praise the Lord. But tell them you're here in church. But then talk about it. Talk about it. How many have unsaved friends? Anybody here? Okay. Do You know what? I post things on Facebook, and every one of my unsaved friends see them. Yeah, and a lot of them, they like it because they look at it, well, you're doing something positive with your life. Well, you know what? That positive might get into their negative. How many think that's a pretty good thing? So talk about church. Talk about church on Facebook. You know, if you love what you're hearing, my name is Pastor Tim. If you don't like it, it's Pastor Philemon. Oh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Humor. Humor. My humor does get better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I hear it. I hear it. Okay, so I want to start out today in uh, what do I want to start out with? Jeremiah 173. We're gonna start there, Jeremiah, where did I put it? I put it someplace on here. See, I have a lot of a lot to look at in my notes. Um, see, you have four pages, right? Where are that's what I'm telling you. actually jeremiah seventeen nine is what I want somebody. let me make sure that that's right. Okay, Jeremiah 17.9, would you do that for me, Dylan? Jeremiah 17.9, and then after that, uh, so when you start to read, lift your hand up so Caesar, because Caesar doesn't know everybody in the church yet, but he will shortly. Okay, Jeremiah 17.9 is where I want to start. And then I want to go to, I know some of you think, Pastor, why is it taking you so long to find your notes? Because you all have four pages. I have 17 pages. That's how much stuff that I put together to give you those four pages. And so I, I want you to do that. Uh, Mrs. Jaramillo, do you have your Bible with you? Okay. I want you to give me Proverbs sixteen, eight. Okay, and then uh, Mrs. Weaver, if you'll give me Proverbs four twenty three. Okay, and Mrs. Osorio, if you would give me Romans twelve three. Okay, and then uh, uh, Christian, James one twenty two. Okay, Pastor Honey, Revelation twelve four. D. You Have your Bible with you, okay? Second uh, Peter two four. Um, Amber, you have your Bible with you. Isaiah fourteen fifteen. Uh, let me come over to this side, Miss Cheryl. Ezekiel twenty eight sixteen. Mike Davis Matthew twenty five forty one. And then can back there, Proverbs 16, 18. Okay? We're actually going to read that passage twice. Because that's going to take us into what we want to. Okay? We're talking about an invisible war. We're talking about a war that cannot be won in your flesh. I want you to look at me for a second. Some of you are still looking for scripture. That's fine. But I want you to look at me for a second. I don't care how good... You try to be. You will fail this war. I don't care how, how uh, honorable, how purposeful, you will fail in this war if you do not choose to fight this war in the spirit. And I'm going to give you the, the scripture uh, that Dylan's going to read here in just a second. Okay? Look at me. The enemy is too powerful. And we're going to talk about that tonight, okay? We're going to talk about uh, the only power the enemy has. He has no authority, okay? Now, there's a very big difference between authority and power. Do you know that I can give somebody authority by giving them a title but have them no power? In other words, they just have a title. What do they call it, a toy soldier? What's the term they use? They got a term for it. I don't remember what it was. Okay, but you can have authority and have no power. In other words, you can have a title. Okay? Vice president. Vice, <laughs> Vice president. No, no. Uh, uh, but Satan has great power. And his power is one word. How many remember? We've talked about it a dozen times. Deception. Deception. That's the power he has. He has no authority. He cannot make you do anything. Except you choose to fight this battle in the flesh. Are you with me? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our, our, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. okay? And what's he say? The very next word there in 1 Corinthians 10. Casting down imagination. Casting down. Say that with me. Casting down imagination. This is critical. This is critical tonight. I had a question texted me today. Pastor, let's not forget about it. And please, the one that texted me, don't let me forget about it. Okay? Because we're going to talk about it. Okay? Why? His whole power is what? Deception. Okay. Now, why does that have such an influence in your life and mine? We started to get into it last night. Okay. Why does deception, why is deception, should be correctly worded, why is deception so powerful in your life and mine? There's no wrong answers, Ken. Okay. And therefore we become incapacitated. Okay. We, become we think we're guilty by virtue of that we become incapacitated. Therefore, we are angry at things we can't do anything about. Is that what I'm? Is that basically what you're saying, Cheryl? I'm sorry. Convincing. He's convincing. Okay. Both are very good answers, Danny. Uh, the, flesh is weak. the flesh is weak, Josh. We don't know the truth in us, Danny. Spiritually naive. spiritually naive. These are all correct answers. Go ahead. But there's a root of all of this. He uses our past. Devil's good at that. Remember the little thing I tell you to do? If he reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Okay. Somebody else. Condemnation. These are all good answers, and they're all correct answers. But there's a root to all of this fruit. Bill? Read Jeremiah 17. Verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Okay. Let... let. Okay. Jeremiah... Remember I told you that there's a root to all of this fruit, fruit. And listen to me. The root sits in your chair. Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart. Your heart, my heart. Why are we easily deceived? It's an inside job. We think it's all about us. All the answers that you gave tonight are correct answers. This is why the enemy has such a crouching ability to overthrow us. How many of you remember the old story of the Roman legions and they had a Trojan horse come to their gate? Remember the old story? Well, it's not a story, it's true. You know? Actually, was that myth? Was was the Trojan horse myth or real? It was real. Okay. They brought this horse, and inside the horse was what? The enemy. They thought it was a gift, a gift of surrender. Can I tell you, the enemy comes to you in surrender? But it's a false surrender. See, this is why, this is why scripture tells us to beware. To be weary or wary. Let me take you to where we need to go now. Okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Who has it? Come on. I gave everybody scripture, please remember, okay? I'm Romans 12 3. Okay? Go ahead and read that out.
1: For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Okay,
0: now listen what Paul's saying. Listen to what Paul's saying. He's using that word, by the grace given me. What is grace? Now, I know it's unmerited favor. It's getting what we don't deserve. I understand that. But what is the true biblical meaning or the inference of grace? It is very simply God's power at operation in us. Ephesians 3.20 says it this way. He I am able to do, or he is able to do, exceeding abundantly above anything I can ask or think, according to his power that works where? In me. Okay? He can do all things in me, and I can do all things through him. So he said, by the grace given me. You say, Well, Pastor, how do I know that's valid? Well, second Second Corinthians chapter 9 or chapter 12. It's so in 2 Corinthians. It's in the Bible, folks. I have to go look it up. Okay? I'm a pastor, not a concordance. Okay. The Bible says that Paul was being tormented, and three times he said, God, could you take this, this thing away from me? And the Bible says it was a, a demon that was sent to buffet Paul. Okay? And what was God's response to him? My grace is sufficient. sufficient. My grace is all you need. And then you say, well, pastor, what's that have to do? And then he says the very next thing. For my power is made perfect. My grace, my power is made perfect in what? Your weakness. And Paul said, it was God's grace that gave me that thorn in the flesh to keep me humble. Now listen to what he says here in Romans 12 as she finishes this passage. And I want you to hear this because remember the fruit is a direct result of the root which happens to be sitting in each one of our chairs. Okay? Listen to it. Do
1: you think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you?
0: Think not of yourself more highly than you ought. People look at me, well, you're a pastor and and you don't have to deal with it. You, you, no, you're stronger than me. You're, I am just as human as you are. I deal with the same stuff you deal with. Hopefully I've dealt with it enough to where I got a little bit of God's grace in me that helps me realize it's only through him that I can get this thing accomplished. If not through him, I fall just like anybody else. Except by God's grace, Paul said, there go I except by God's grace. Okay, look at me again, please. I want you to get this because I, I want to get off this subject uh, for, uh, you know, a few days. Uh, think not yourself more godly than you are, more in control than you are. Billy Graham said we're only a hair away from falling. Why? What is the enemy's power? Deception. Deception. And the minute you look at it, you've given to it. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. So let's continue on here. Okay? Proverbs 4.23. Who has it? Proverbs 4.23. I gave it to somebody. Who did I give it to? 4.23. And then we got Proverbs 16.18 next. Not yours, though, Ken. This is the first person. You're going to read the last time. Okay? Okay? Okay, Proverbs 4.23, who has it?
1: I do. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it.
0: What's it say? Above all else, guard what?
1: Your heart. Your
0: heart. heart. What is he talking about? For out of it flow every aspect of your life. We're going to get into that a little deeper. We kind of skirted the surface last week, but we're going to get into it. Okay, Proverbs 16.18, who has it? Not you, Ken, over here. Roxy, all the way in the back. Okay. Proverbs sixteen, eighteen.
1: Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before
0: a fall. Say it, read it again. Put the mic real close to your mouth.
1: Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall.
0: Pride comes before destruction. And an arrogant spirit before a fall. We talked about it last week. What does that mean? Pride. What's the difference? Pride and arrogance, same thing, isn't it? Nope. One's a root, one's a fruit. Okay? Pride is a positive thing. Pride, if you have it, is good. That's why we take showers. That's why we get cleaned up. That's why we get dressed up. That's why we, you know, always want to look our best for our wives or our husbands or our people or our friends and so on and so forth, okay? So pride's a positive thing until pride has you. When pride has you, that's when we fall into the, to the, uh, the uh, thing that David prayed. Lord, keep me from the sin of presumption. Anybody know what presumption means? Judging something, before you know its value. Judging something before it's valued? No, that's a good answer. No. Assuming. I'm sorry? Assuming. Assuming. Presumption simply says that because of who I am, it can't happen to me. You can be fully walking in Christ and fall flat on your face. When you become arrogant. How many have ever, I'm sorry? Pride it's the, it's the fruit of the root, which is pride. Okay? I'm sorry? Righteousness? Righteousness? No, that means right standing with God. No, you think you're righteous. But you're not. You think you're righteous, but you're not. Okay? A false perception. Would that go with deception in there somewhere? Well, you think you got it. How many ever thought they had it all together? Let me let me share something with you, a true story about your, your pastor's life. Before I was ever a pastor, when I was a young Christian, man, I was in love with God. Still am, you know. People ask, you know, if you ever walk up to me and you say hi, I might respond usually. What do you? <laughs> I, I got saved and I got high. I haven't come down yet, so, you know, I'm always... Okay, some of you will catch that when you leave, okay? But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the Lord. I love the Lord. Well, I was, I was excited about I was leading people to Christ. I was witnessing. I was just, I was just on fire for God. I sat, before, I sat across the desk from my assistant pastor at the time, uh, or the assistant pastor of the church I was going to at the time, and I told him, I said, man, I, I, I think I'm so close to God. I, I'm never going to fall. And he looked at me and said, don't ever think that. Literally, it wasn't two weeks later I was fall, I fell flat on my face. That's presumption. That's arrogance. Okay, the Bible says that Satan was the anointed cherub that covereth until pride was found in his heart. And that's where you and I are. You and I deal with the same pride. Why? Because we are creatures that have free wills. And when we have a free will, we can get caught up in that independence, not freedom. How many learned the difference between the two on Sunday? Big difference between independence and freedom. So Satan got caught up in that pride. Therefore, who's got James chapter one, verse twenty two? Okay, go ahead. James one twenty
1: two. Okay. <clears throat> Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says.
0: Do not merely listen, listen to, to the words. word. Whereby, listen to this, deceiving yourselves. How can you deceive yourself by listening to God's word? Because you think it's enough to be in the head and not in the heart. Well, how do I know the difference? If it's in the heart, it's in the feet, it's in the legs, it's in the arms, it's in the mouth, it's in the body, it's in the actions. If it's just in the head, well, I can quote it real good. I just ain't living it. Is that making sense? Is that making sense? Okay. That's what presumption does. Well, I've been to church for 30 years. Bless God, I'm a Christian. Really? Really? How come everybody thinks you're a devil? How come when you go to work, they can't tell the difference between you and everybody else that they call a heathen? Now, I'm not trying to put any shoes on your feet, but if they do fit, i got an extra pair sitting over here. Where you can or you can leave those shoes here and put some other shoes on. You see, why is it just that I hear the word? Well, I know the word in my head, but what happens to that 18-inch journey from head to heart. Am I making sense tonight? Okay. As I said, what happened to the enemy? What happened to Satan that caused his fall? He got caught up in himself. Why does God call it idolatry? What's the first letter? You're the idol. I'm the idol. When it becomes about ourselves, it well, what do I do then? What's the next part say? Do what it says. Is that making sense? Okay. What happens? In your notes, letter C, the devil is a condemned being. Okay? The first thing we saw was was he is a created being. The second thing we see is he is a corrupted being. Why? Because he started believing in himself and not yielding to God, not doing what God's word says. Okay? Now we find that he is a condemned being. Does that make sense? So in doing so, and being condemned, why was he condemned? Because the Bible says he was caught up in his pride and become arrogant. How do you know if you've crossed from pride to arrogance? It's in your notes. How do you know if you've crossed from pride into arrogance? I'm sorry? People tell you? Well, that would be pretty good. The problem is, if you're arrogant, you won't believe them. How do you know if you've crossed from pride into arrogance? I see some people getting out there. Is that me? You know, I used to, when I first started pastoring, uh, way back then, I could buy steel chairs for two bucks a chair. Sometimes I'd have four people in the church, but I'd have a, a church full of chairs. So I'd call myself, a, Who'd you preach to today? The steel family, steel chairs, steel, okay. How many like my humor? Okay, how many say, pastor, give it up? Okay, so I, I would preach, and you know, the, the fun thing is when the conviction of God was falling on somebody, I always knew it. Man, that chair they were sitting on was so shiny. Ooh, they're just rubbing around on that chair. It, okay, you get that too. Man, I'm doing bad tonight, honey. My wife isn't even going to answer to that. Okay. And so how do you know you've gone from pride to arrogance? It's not your question. You're above, the law. you're above the law? Okay. For sake of time, let me answer. Very good answer. You bring other people with you. You've got to convince others you're okay. You've go, you go out of your way to make sure that they know that you know that God's word doesn't apply to you or that you have changed it so much that it does apply to you. How many know people that can quote scripture amazingly, but they can't live a moment of it? That's the difference between pride and arrogance. Pride is okay as long as you have it. But the minute it has you, you'll start to want to bring other people alongside with you. You know when people leave the church, they leave any church. Do you know they never just leave? They always got to reach back in to justify why they left. That's called arrogance. They have to be right when it's about them. Why? Folks. People leave churches all the time. It's, you know, praise the Lord. You want to come? You want to go? You know, we have people come on Wednesday nights. They come from different churches. I, I love Sarah McCabe. She's been coming for years. She goes to the, the the Indian Nazarene church out here on, what's it called? What's the name of it? The Nazarene? Yeah, that one. Out on 89. Huh? I can't say the name. But it's out there on 89. Okay? And that's every Sunday. But you know where she is on Wednesdays? Right here. We have other people that come almost every Wednesday night. From different churches. Folks, I'm I'm a body person. I think we're supposed to be part of the body of Christ. Yes, you need to be rooted in a church. I've got pastors that come here on Wednesday nights sometimes. Because they got to get fed too. You say, Pastor, where do you go? No place right now because I'm always preaching someplace. <laughs> but the thing the thing is, is when they leave, they gotta take somebody with them. Why? Because it lifts the guilt. Let me change the word. It lifts the conviction off of them. Well, Pastor, is that, that's not what the devil did. Well, somebody read Revelation twelve, four. What's it say? What did the devil do when he left? Do you have a sweetie? Okay, and then I got Second Peter two, four. Whoever has that, please lift your hand so we get the microphone to you. Okay?
1: Do you want the whole verse? Nope, I just, just want 12, part?
0: 4. Yeah, the whole verse, 4.
1: Okay, because there's more than what you have in your notes.
0: Yep, just 12, 4.
1: His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth.
0: Okay, that's good. You, that's, so that that's he right. might devour. I, That's why I left it. Okay? All right. It's all good. It's all part and parcel. But what's it say? The dragon took his tail. And a third of the stars fell with him. What's the stars mean? Angels. angels. See, Satan, when he did his own thing, he didn't do it alone. He took a third with him. Same thing with people do. Why? Folks, hear what I said the fruit has a root, the root is pride. And when that pride becomes arrogance, which is exactly what happened with Satan, now you've got to prove you're right. And the only way you can do that, you've got to get people to buy in with you. There's your deception. There's how in the world. Look at Satan. Do you think this happened overnight? Do you think God did not know? How many think God didn't know this blindsided God? Oh, good. I'm glad I didn't have a single hand raised. No, God knew. Well, why didn't God stop him? It's called free will. Even the angels of heaven love God by choice, though they were created. You and I choose to love God. They love God because they're in his presence. But even then, Satan's deception was so powerful, he deceived them. Who do you think we are? That he couldn't deceive us. That's why the Bible says the words that Christian just read. Don't be hearers of the word only. Do what it says. Well, is that, does that help? That keeps you from deception. Are you with me? Okay, any questions? Uh, Carlos. Microphone. We need our microphone, guys. Right. Hand it to Carlos, real quick. So you know how the devil tried to deceive Jesus uh, and and tell him to make a loaf of uh, turn I'm sorry, the stone. Say that again. Turns, said you know you know when the devil tried to deceive Jesus. huh. By asking him to turn, turn the stones stone into bread and all that. Uh huh. <clears throat> In the same way, when uh, people that. You know, atheist or something says, don't judge me. You know, is that the same thing where, you know, they're using the Bible to tell us not to judge them, but what do we say, say to them in a, like a counterpoint? Could be very, uh, I'll tell you what to say. It could be very similar because what, what was devil doing in, in the wilderness? He said, command these stones to be turned into bread. Why? Because the Word of God says, that God, man shall not live by bread alone. What did Satan do with the verse though? He twisted it. He twisted it. Okay? But what do we respond? That's his statement. See, the atheists do the same thing, the non believers do the same thing, the arrogant Christian does the same thing. That's what it says in 1 Peter. He said, they twist the scriptures, bringing the destruction to themselves. Okay, how do we respond to that? What's it say in First Peter or in James one twenty two? Don't just listen to it; do what it says. Okay, how do you respond to the devil? How did Jesus respond to him? He quoted God's word. How do we respond to the atheist? Say, guys, let me explain to you what "Judge Not" means. I don't judge you. You're already judged. What do you mean? Because the Bible says if you reject Jesus, which if you say you're an atheist, means you don't believe in anything. A means nothing. Theist means there's no God. If you're atheist, you believe in nothing. Which true atheists really believe in something? Atheism is their own religion. Okay? I love the judge that, that took a bunch of atheists. They, they went to court against these, these uh, the, the Christians at church in some place. I remember where it was. And said, you know, this ain't fair. All these Christians, they have holidays. They have this. They have that. Well, the judge was a Christian. And the judge stood up there and, and said, I rule against this. Throw it out of court. And the atheist uh, organization, Atheist International, whatever the heck they were called, they said, you can't throw it out of court. They have all these holidays. What do we have? And he said, you do have a holiday. The guy, well, what, what do you mean? You have April Fool's Day. And then he quoted the book of Psalms. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So there's your holiday. Court is, cl- case dismissed. Okay? So how do you answer? Once again, how do you answer arrogance? With God's Word? Arrogance knows what it says, but doesn't do it. A heart before God does it because they know what it says. Are we doing okay? Okay, let's continue on here. Okay, Second Peter 2. Listen to this. Listen to it carefully. Once again, the root is pride. The fruit is arrogance. The heart is wicked above everything. Who can know it? And then it goes on. God, of course. Okay, but can you govern your own heart outside of God? The answer is no. Since the fall, no. But listen to the response of Second Peter two four. Who has it? Go ahead, D. I
1: do. Uh, message Bible. Um, God didn't let the rebel angels off the hook, but jailed them in hell. Till judgment
0: day. God didn't love the devil the angels off the hook. Do you think it's gonna let us off the hook? Not at all. Folks, you can't say, I love the Lord, and then by your actions show that you hate him. Okay? Isaiah fourteen fifteen speaks about the dis- about the enemy's destruction, about him being condemned. Isaiah fourteen fifteen and then Ezekiel twenty eight, sixteen. Go ahead.
1: Isaiah 14, 15? Yep. NKJV. yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit.
0: Sheol, okay? You shall be brought down into the grave, okay? Sheol is another place of the grave. It's another word for hell. And look what it says. The very lowest part, the depths of the pit. Let's go to Ezekiel twenty eight, sixteen. Go ahead.
1: By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones.
0: There's your firing stones against. If you want to know the answer to what the the fiery stones are, just ask Sherelle. I I wrote to her last week and gave it to her. Okay? Uh, At least, you know, anyway, it's a long story. So look at the picture. The covering cherub was thrown out of heaven. Okay? He was brought into hell, into the depths of the pit. God expelled him. But I want you to look at one word. He was filled with violence. The word violence is the same violence that we see in Genesis 6, 5 when the Bible says the whole earth was filled with violence. That's when God sent the flood. It even said he, that, you know, he, it, 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 it hurt his heart that he even created man because man had rejected so badly. Is that a surprise to God? No. But it still broke his heart. How many know our kids growing up? They gotta spread their wings. I know it doesn't affect any of you, but I did some stupid things growing up. I, me, I didn't say you. And it broke my parents' heart. God it helped me to come back to my senses. But but look, he said he's filled with violence. You know what the violence, the word, Hebrew word for violence is? It's the same word that we find for the number one terrorist group that's a part of every terrorist group in the world. I remember, I taught this a few weeks ago. What's the word violence? Hamas. Hamas. The Hebrew word for violence is Hamas. You ever heard of a terrorist group named Hamas? And God said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Ezekiel, uh, let's see. Uh, Matthew 25, 41. The devil, the Bible says, is destined for the lake of fire. When Jesus came out of the grave, the devil knew that he had lost the battle, and he knew the victory would never be his because the victory is ours and the battle is God's. So what happens to the enemy? Matthew 25, 41. Go ahead. Then he will
1: also say to those on the left hand, Apart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels.
0: The everlasting fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Okay. Was hell created for us? Nope. But where is man that rejects Christ going? Going to hell. Okay. So what is the root, Ken? What is the root of all of this? Go ahead, Ken. To get the microphone and do it one more time, please. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, how do we deal with the root? Conquer the fruit, the haughtiness, the arrogance, the self righteousness, the place where the enemy thinks. I made a statement on Sunday. Pizza. That must be one of those other microphones. Okay. I made a statement on Sunday. How come when you stop going to church, it's easier to not go to church? Did you ever notice that? You stay out of church for a little while? Oh, the first time is a little, I should be in church. Second time is a little, I should be in church. Third time, yeah, I probably should go to church. Fourth time, yeah, let me watch church on TV. 6th, 7th, 8th time, yeah, I got to do something else. You see how the enemy works? Little by little, just like that Trojan horse. You know the way that most cities were conquered in the old days? The enemy came in deceptively and started moving amongst the people. The same flag flew Let's, let's bring it into modern day. We have the good old flag of the USA flying. But we've got socialism, communism, progressivism, relativism, all kinds of isms and schisms welling up inside. What's going to be the downfall of America? Ourselves. What is the downfall of the Christian the one that's the hearer, but not the doer and where does it all begin in the heart of the man? The heart is desperately wicked we're not talking about the we're not talking about the physical organ we're not talking about uh, just some kind of um, you know fictitious or some kind of uh picture uh metaphor we're talking about the beliefs, the emotions, the intentions that drives us. I'm going to give you a bunch more scriptures, okay? And I need you to read them quickly. Guys with the microphones, I want you to stand up here because you're going to raise your hand when I call you out and they're going to give the microphone to you right away. Danny, get up here, guys, with microphones. Danny, I want you to give me uh, Acts. You sit down. Acts 13:22. Okay, Josh, I want you to give me 1 Samuel 2.35. Uh, Leila, do you have a Bible with you? I do. Okay, <laughs> Jeremiah 3.15. Okay, and uh, Dylan, go back to, Jer- to uh, Jeremiah 17.9. Okay, and then uh, 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 Dylan's sister-in-law. Sister. Or sister, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's right, you, that's right. Uh, 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 yeah yeah, yeah i know carrie i was yeah. thinking. i'm trying to think of your mom's name elsie uh, <laughs> elsie is both your moms that's right that's what i was thinking uh romans seven fifteen through twenty okay then uh back here uh miss erler mrs Earler, uh, uh psalm forty four twenty one okay bill weiss first corinthians fourteen twenty five um uh uh, jo, uh, jo, uh justin John 2, 24 and 25. And then, uh, uh, Dylan, because I have you reading 17.9, I want you to go back and read 17.10 in just a few minutes, okay? So uh, before I get into the human heart, I want to mention that since God has emotions and desires, he too has a heart. When he created you and I, he breathed that nature into each one of us. We have a heart because God has a heart. David was known as a man after God's own heart. Acts 13.22, who has it? Okay, go ahead. Acts 13.22, Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Okay, first, that's it. That's close enough. That's good enough. 1 Samuel 2.35, who has it? Old King James. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is mine, my heart and my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine, anointed forever. Jeremiah 3.15. Go over here. Okay. Stand up here in front, guys, if you would. And then just raise your hand when it's your turn, please. Jeremiah 3.15.
1: Then I will give you shepherds after my own hearts, who will feed you on knowledge and understanding.
0: What does it mean? Thank you. What does it mean to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? What's it mean to have a heart after God? What does it mean? Have a desire for him. Have a desire that's correct, but it's much more than a desire. You live, it. you live it? Very good. Okay? It's a desire put to action. Okay? I like to put it this way a desire will take you there, a burden will keep you there. A desire will excite you, a burden will ignite you. A desire will cause you to live, a burden will cause you to die. These men had a burden to be everything that God wanted them to be. How do you develop a heart after God? There's nothing else that you want. You become like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. old King Nebuchadnezzar. Whether it's right or wrong to praise you, we're not going to do it. We're going to worship the Lord thy God and him alone. If you throw us into that fire, if God saves us, praise the Lord. If we die, praise the Lord. We're not going to worship you. See, that's the heart. That it's a heart of a burden. That's the heart of a man or a woman of God. You say, well, pastor, look at David. He was a mess. That's right. But every time he messed up, what did he do? He chose to get up, and he ran back to the only one that he knew that could that he could get fixed up. Amen. He said, I didn't sin before man. I sinned before God. And the reason we can become so complacent in church, the reason we can become so complacent in Christianity, it's a head game, not a heart commitment. Some of the people I... The people that irritate me the most are the ones that know but won't go. I remember my daughter, 13 years old, she was on the floor in the house. And she was making all kinds of excuses about stuff. Pastor's daughter, 13, you know, you're in that phrase. I know none of you women ever went through that. You don't know if you're a child or a woman. You don't know what's going on. All you know is you want your independence. Anybody relate? Okay. Nobody raised their hand. That's good. Well, she's sitting there and she's doing something. And she said, Dad, I know, I know, I know, I know. The worst people to talk to are the ones that know it all. How come the know-it-alls don't do all they know? It just, just, just boggles my mind, okay? But the reality, Dad, I know, Dad, I know, I know. And then I asked her the formidable question. What do you do with what you know to do? Stop during her, her tracks. She said, Dad, I hate it when you ask questions like that. But let me ask you the question. What do you do with what you know to do? You want to be a man after God's own heart? It's got to be about God. Well, you know, this is, this, I got to be careful. I'm going to step on toes, so I'm not going to do that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just going to soft shoe through the place. What do you do when something else comes up and God comes up at the same time. What do you do? Well, I know the answer is very simple. Well, of course, I'm going to do for God. But do you? God don't have to search your heart. And you don't have to search your heart. Because we already know what's right. We know what's wrong. You know why? Because God wrote it on our hearts already. What do you do with what you know to do? Let's go on quickly. Let's go on quickly. Okay. Question, Josh. Is that where says to get off the milk and get on the meat? Is that the same? Yeah, Hebrews talks about that. It said, God, you know, the time that you should be teachers, you have need that I feed you milk again. Why? Because you're not mature. And what causes maturity? The answer is right there in Hebrews 6 or 12. It's in Hebrews. What's it say? How do you become mature? By using God's word, by exercise, by use, by not just listening to it, but doing what it says, okay? Are you with me so far? Okay? The human heart in its natural condition is evil. Let me tell you what that word evil means in the Hebrew, treacherous and deceitful. You think you and I picked it up when Adam and Eve fell? Yes, we did. Okay. Jeremiah 17, 9. Go ahead. And then we've got uh, Psalm 44, 21. Uh, Yeah, Romans 7. Thank you.
1: The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure.
0: Who can understand it? Listen to that word, beyond cure. You think you can govern your heart? Do you think in our flesh we can do what's right? Which goes back to that conversation that Jesus was having with the rich young ruler. Good master. Now think about the rich young ruler. You think Jesus knew the excuse he was fixing to make? Do you think he was saying good master to possibly set Jesus up? He wouldn't say something bad to me after I said something good to him, would he? Does that make sense? Good master. And what was Jesus' response? Why do you call me good? Remember Paul's response in in Romans 7? There's nothing good that dwells in me except the Lord. This heart is deceitful. It's beyond cure. Why? Why? Because of sin, because of the root that Satan fell by is the same root that's trying to get you to fall every single day of your life. Am I making sense? God says we control it, it controls us. How do we control it? Through God's word. The human heart, treacherous, deceitful above all things, beyond cure. Romans seven fifteen to 20. I just alluded to it. Carrie, uh, Dylan's sister, not sister-in-law. Don't tell Elsie I said that you're sister-in-law. Please don't tell her.
1: I have the New Living Translation. Okay. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right.
0: Okay, I'm, stop right there. How many have ever said that? God, I just want to do what's right. Anybody? God, I just want to, I want to be the man you call me. I want to be the woman you, I I don't understand myself. I don't understand myself. I really want to do what's good. What's to say now?
1: But I don't do it.
0: What? <laughs> How many can relate? I want to do what's good, but I don't. So now he gives us You know, this is the rhetorical question that he answers. He gives you all the rationale to why you don't and how you can. Go ahead.
1: Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong, and my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good. But I can't help myself because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I
0: can't help myself because of why? Because of that sin. That's it. Now listen, a lot of people say, well, you're, you're, you're not in that condition anymore because you're a Christian. Where does it say that in the Bible? Matter of fact, the Bible says the one who says he doesn't sin is what? A liar. A liar. Folks, we're going to mess up until the Lord comes home. But when we mess up, he just says, look up and ask forgiveness and then go and sin no more. The purpose of your heart. He said, I got this issue inside the same root until pride was found in his heart. Till sin was found in Satan. And he was lifted up in himself, became arrogant. Continue on. I know I am rotten
1: through and three. Through, so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I cannot make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway.
0: What's he talking about? Trying to live righteous in the flesh. You can't. You cannot control this body outside of Christ. You can't do it. I can't do it. That's why trying to do good and be good, we talked about this last week. How many of you have ever said, oh, he's got a good heart? Well, I'm sorry. The Bible says we don't. Um, uh, Hensley, get the microphone. Get the microphone. The Bible says we don't. Our heart is wretched. Pastor, sometimes you want to do good. But people, and they they don't want you to do good. What do you do about that? (laughs) When you want to do good and people don't want you to do good, you find other people. Yeah. Yeah. You just go sit to the other side of the church. (laughs) My pastor, that doesn't happen in the church every single day. That's that pride and arrogance thing. Continue on.
1: But if I am doing what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it.
0: What is the instigator of it? The sin in you. Now, a lot of people use that as an excuse. Well, that's the reason I can't do good because i got sin in me. The Bible says crucify that puppy. Nail that thing to the cross. Take your flesh and you take authority over it. Cast down imaginations and bring every thought into the obedience of God's word. You get the picture? Okay? Just quickly. We may not understand our own hearts, but God does, He knows. The secrets of the heart, Psalm forty four twenty one, and then First Corinthians fourteen twenty five. Okay, Psalms over here. First Corinthians is back there. Okay, so just as you're done with that one, take it back to Bill back there, and then afterwards we got sec- uh, John two twenty four. Go ahead.
1: Okay, Proverbs forty four twenty one. No, Psalm
0: forty four twenty one.
1: Psalms forty four twenty one, um, Spirit filled Bible would not. God, searches out, for he knows the secrets of the heart.
0: God knows the secrets of the heart. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty five, 25, right behind you there, Anthony. 1 Corinthians 14, 25. You, you know, let me, okay, go ahead, Bill. As the secrets of their hearts are laid
1: bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really
0: among you. The secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Hebrews, I don't think I gave that scripture to you. Yeah, Hebrews says it this way, that, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide in two the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. Now, let me give you the picture. I always think it's interesting why God used the joints and marrow. Do you know that medical science today cannot separate the joints from the marrow? Now, I'm not talking it can extract marrow, but the moment it tries to separate the the bone from the marrow, as far as separating it into two different things, it kills the life. Interesting, isn't it? They can they can extract. Our daughter had marrow taken out of her to give to a leukemia patient that got that was healed. God used. What's the Bible say? The life is in the blood. You cut the marrow, you cut the the spinal cord, you cut the, that's where the marrow runs through. You cut that, you're done. You're dead. You can't separate it. That's why I always thought it was God. God's saying, I don't care how smart you get medical science, you can't do it. I can. Oh, don't you love God? <laughs> he just kind of lays it there. Okay? Okay? Uh, Jesus knew all of men. And look what it says here in, in John 2, 24 and 5. Who has it? Okay? Go ahead, Justin. It's the New King James. But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what he knew what was in man. Jesus didn't have anybody he didn't have any need anybody to testify about him, nor did he have to testify about anything. He said, I know the heart of man, I know what's in man. Based on his knowledge, the knowledge of the heart, God judges righteously. Jeremiah 17.10. Go ahead, Dylan. I'm not going to have time to take you all through this. I want to get into the one question that I had tonight or the question I had emailed. Go ahead. I, the Lord, search the heart and
1: examine the mind to reward, to reward each person according to their conduct,
0: according to what their deeds deserve. God says, I search the hearts. I know man's intentions. And that's what God said I'm going to judge on. What do you do with what you know to do? Okay. Any questions? I want to jump into something else real quick, and we're going to get off of this subject for a while. I've got a, if you want to take a moment, I've got a lot more scripture. Uh, that if you want to write down some more scripture about this, No, that's fine. I have
1: a question.
0: Who had a question? Me.
1: Yeah, Christian. So if you're a a wavering Christian, uh, like a lukewarm or whatever, does that mean do you think your heart, um, like you love God, but you also don't love God when you're wavering? You know what I mean or no? Okay. I don't know how to explain.
0: I know what you're saying. Does it mean you love God but you don't if you're a wavering Christian? Okay. Go ahead and somebody answer that for me. You love God but sin feels good? How many ever heard the words that, you know, that, oh, sin's terrible. I can't believe anybody would do Anybody? Anybody? You know, the Bible says that Moses rejected the pleasures of sin. Why would the Bible call sin a pleasure? Because if winning, you'd never do it. Arrogance says, "Ah, oh, I would never do it." Sin is destruction. Sin, sin—the Bible says—is pleasurable. Sure. You would never do it if it wasn't. Sure. It okay, been. so let's let's go to her question. A wavering Christian, Josh. Rome, uh, Revelation 3. I wish that we were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, i spit you out of my mouth. Ken? You know, uh, I knew a woman who had several beautiful, beautiful children. Uh-huh. Sorry. She had lovely children, and she loved them. But yet the drugs that she wanted pulled her away to the point that she emotionally loved her children. But she embraced the drugs. And I think our lives are that way also. They can be. You can love. You can love God. But you can love the world more. That's why the word of God, when you talk about a wavering Christian, he says come out and be separate. He said you're for me or you're against me. He said let your yes be yes and you know, once again, I go back to that James one twenty two scripture. Don't be hearers. See, we go into that Romans 7 thing that Carrie just brought out. God, I love you. God, I love you. But I just can't. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as can't to a Christian. There's only won't. My Bible says I can do all things. But it says that many won't do anything. We gotta make a choice. All of our life as Christians. Sunday morning, do I come to church? Or don't I come to church? Simple choice. God wins. Uh-oh. Or the devil wins. Oh no, I just, I, I just didn't want to come. God wins. Or the devil wins. Forsake not. The assembling, well, I'm just going to go in the forest and me and two other guys. You know, if two or more are gathered, you can put it in any package you want to. All reason is, is a fancy wrapped excuse. I had a question today. Does that answer your question, Christian? Okay. I think it's an oxymoron. The word lukewarm Christian. You either are or you aren't. Okay, lukewarm just means, you know, that you're kind of quasi there. God says, I'm going to challenge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I was sent a question. We got a, they call it a holiday. I don't call it a holiday. Coming up. Not the next holiday, but the one after it. How many know what it is? Halloween. We're talking about deception. Do you know how many Christians, even in this church, dress up like some of the most ungodly things on this holiday? Why would that be? I'm sorry? Deception. Deception. What has Satan tried to do? And we see it paramount in the last 10, 15 years. Now, folks, I'm not telling you what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you could do, what you wouldn't do. I'm just going to tell you what we represent. When we call ourselves a Christian, and do something contrary. So don't walk out of here and say, Well, Pastor condemned me if I if just because I go to a Halloween party dressed up like the devil Or what if I go dressed up like a fairy or like a princess or like this or like that? Let me let me just share a couple things. Are you all okay? Can I do this? It was a question that was asked, and I'm not gonna tell anybody Where, you know, who asked, because it doesn't really matter. Let me tell you where the celebration Halloween came from. Back, way, 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 way back in the early centuries, there was two different events. One called All Saints Day, and the other called All Hallows Day. Eve. All Souls Eve is what it began as, but because it was All Saints Day on November 1st, it actually was celebrated originally in May, okay, with the end of the spring harvest. But then they changed it to the fall harvest. It started out as a Catholic celebration, okay, All Saints Day which was November 1st. Well, they didn't think that was enough, so they started another holiday that they called All Hallows' Eve. Hollow means saint. So All Hallows' Eve was October 31st. All Saints' Day was November 1st. Well, Catholicism is very good at incorporating Spiritism with the church. Why? Because there's all kinds of mysticism around Catholicism. I was raised in it, folks, so I could tell you all about it, okay? My wife and I were raised in it. Lots of mysticism. There was one of the greatest revivals ever happened in South America. Maybe you heard about it. Christians exploding everywhere, the biggest Christian movement in the world. How many ever heard that? You can go and study it through. It happened in the 90s. The Catholic Church is exploding. You know what the Catholic Church did? It just incorporated all the spiritism of South America. So all the spiritists are now Catholics. You can go study this on Google. You can go look it up. Okay? So they incorporated and had this great big explosion. Well, all that happened is they just married the two things. Because in the fall harvest, the worshipers of the dark had the greatest holiday of their own called Samhain. Sam Hain was the great Lord Prince of Darkness. Okay, and so what happened is Pope Gregory in 835 decided to move All Hallows Eve to no, to October 31st to coincide with Sam Hain Day to incorporate all the spiritists into the church. They called it All Hallows Eve. They did away with All Saints Day, which they still have today, but they don't make a big deal out of it. And All Hallows' Eve sounds an awful lot like Halloween. And that's how the Word came into place. Folks, I've done all this today. I can tell you all about jack-o'-lanterns. I can tell you about witches and black cats. I can talk about all this kind of stuff. But it suffices to say that today they celebrate this and it's all about death. It's all about destruction. It's all about evil. It's all about darkness. It's all about magic and witchcraft. All the things, the word of God. You know what the Bible tells us? Do not suffer a witch to live in, in Exodus 22. In Deuteronomy 18, there shall not found any among you that will make his son or his daughter pass through the fire and uses divination or observers of the times, enchanters or a witch. Passing through the fire is an is a, uh, uh, ordinance that you have to do to walk into Satanism. you got to be able to pass through the fire, they call it. God says you don't do any of this stuff. Black cats and skulls and, and all these different things, dogs and, and uh, snakes and owls. They're all symbols of talismans, which are the embracers or the, the, the things that they use to cast evil spells upon people. That's why the old you know, the old thing is, well, if a black cat crosses your path, where do you think that come from? Folks, I got no problem with black cats crossing my path. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Ephesians 5 says this, do not have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. It's shameful to even speak of those things that are done in secret. First Peter five says be sober, be watchful, for your devil, your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion. 1st Thessalonians 5 Flee the very appearance of evil. 1st Timothy 4 The spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Doctrines are just beliefs, embracings. If you have a doctrine You embrace something. That's what it means. Okay? So think about it for a second. Why do we say we embrace Christ all year, but then one time a year we dress about everything that rejects him? I'm not putting this as a man. I'm just saying, you know. Carrie? I'm sorry? Oh, yeah, the, uh, uh, the Deus de Mortre, uh, Morte down in Phoenix, the Day of the Dead. How do they say it? You, you, do you know Carol or uh, Roxy? Yeah, it means the Day of the Dead, right? Yeah. I remember the first time I ever I ever preached at a, a church, I did a, a pastor's thing down in, in Morelia, Mexico. It was on the same celebration day of that. I thought, man, this is freaky. But, you know, they had the big... St- the big thing out there in the wilderness, you know, this demon thing. Yeah, it's all there. Uh, uh, Beth?
1: (laughs) Wouldn't um, Valentine's Day be the same thing because it's Saint Valentine?
0: Well, you got all kinds of saints. You would not correlate the same because Valentine's Day is basically, it's a celebration of love, okay? It can be, you know, you can pervert everything. Folks, there's not a single holiday we have that is really Christian. Every one of them. Or pagan. Okay? What are you doing with it? It's just the, holo- the, the, the celebration of Halloween. There's no way to make Christian out of it. Okay? Just, just, just that. Any, anybody got a problem with what I'm saying? I'm not telling you what to do, what don't, but I'm just telling you think about it. Remember James one Don't just listen to the word, think you know what it says, do what it says. Questions? Justin? If you have any questions, we've got to wrap this up tonight. Some Christian churches have an event on Halloween uh-huh. um, so that, you know, the people and the kids can To keep something. the kids off the street and stuff like that. Well, yeah, but isn't it just kind of like a, you know, um, another way of celebrating Halloween? Okay. Aren't they kind yeah. of? Very good question. Can, Is that another way? Huh? They kind of giving in to. Okay, let me let me share you what I've done over the years. We used to do what we called a harvest festival. Okay, a lot of Christian churches. You did not come dressed up. You just came, and it was a place to where you could bring the kids, and they would have you could have it would get the kids off the street and keep them safe. Okay, the event's going to happen whether you partake in it or not. Okay, the world's going to do what the world's going to do. But we gave an opportunity to get the kids to where they didn't go trick or treating. See, that term trick or treat, it was a literal term back in the days of the Druids. When they came to your door, if you didn't give them a treat, they played a trick on you. And many times that trick was killing somebody in your family. Folks, this is this is real stuff that just translated into this... this um, Whatever holiday today. But the thing is, uh, what Justin's just asking, is that giving into to it? The way I always looked at it, Justin, the way I always looked at it is I'm getting the kids off the street. They didn't come dressing up. They didn't come that. And so, you know, that's what we did.
1: I had my kids throw away all their Halloween masks. Did I told you?
0: them, I said, this is not of the
1: Lord. I said, this does not celebrate Jesus. And uh, Ashton, he says, I'm throwing it
0: away, Dad. I said, good. I said, let's get them all out of here. It's good. I mean, it's hard, folks. I can't, I bless you. I can't see how to get God in the middle of it at all. Okay? Anybody else? Any other questions? Any questions? Did I do okay taking, talking about that? Uh, probably not. And the reason we're probably not doing anything, because I don't have an owner of it. Could I, let me tell you something. 99% of the stuff that happens, I say 99, 90% of the ch- stuff that happens in the church happens because my wife and I take responsibility for it. We run it, we lead it, and folks, we're tired. So if we have less activities, it's only because we have less owners. Amen? Amen. Any other, how many of you have learned something in this, this, this war that we're in? Folks, you want to be in it, you don't want to be in it, it makes no difference. If you're a Christian... You're in it, okay? You can be a winner in it, but that means you have to realize it's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war, and the devil is there to destroy. Thank you so much. Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you for your grace. God, your guidance, your direction. Help us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to not be hearers of the word, whereby deceiving ourselves, but to do what the word says in Jesus' name. And everybody said,